We're back again for another episode of Raptor Durastic. Zoinks. <laughs> so am I the dog and you're shaggy in this situation? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We need to get the munchies real quick. Okay. All I right. Mean, I, got, I got something I want to put on the airwaves right now. Okay, put it on the airwaves. Oh, God, God, you got you got diet do all over my microphone. Wait, so oh, did you just suck the goodie? No, okay. Um, so well, is it official? Was, was that like the champagne bottle celebrating our sponsorships with Diet Dew? Like no, like, exclusively Diet Dew, not normal Dew. Like there are different departments in the Dew and the yeah. Dew, uh, factories. Oh yeah, I need the supervisor of Diet Dew division. Like there's like civil wars between the two. Yeah. Uh, it's not celebrating anything because uh, they haven't gotten back to me. It's celebrating Friday. Uh, John has met the Messiah, and her name is Kofifi. No, just coffee. Kofifi. Um, not hot coffee. That's a different thing. That's a different Grand Theft Auto thing. Uh, <laughs> Ice coffee? No. Okay, so here's a little story. When I was a kid, um, my dad, who was born in the late 40s, and uh, he was in Vietnam, and he was a, a when I was growing up, he loved westerns, like spaghetti westerns, mm-hmm. western TV shows, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. So I was a little kid, I watched all those, and uh, I always remember one thing that stuck with me from when I was a little kid was it was so cool to see like the cowboys out in the range, and they'd be on this little campfire, and the next morning they'd put that pot, black coffee, it was like tar. And they drink that every morning. I just thought that was the coolest thing. And then I got to be older and I tried coffee. I'm like, oh, 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 oh this is terrible. <laughs> Two weeks ago, I decided I want to be a cowboy. Okay. And so I took the path of least resistance and I uh, started to drink coffee. Oh, okay. So, oh, in terms of becoming a, a cowboy. Yeah, this uh, makes me a cowboy. Now. Okay, right, right, right. Um, so I started to drink uh, a cup of strong black coffee every morning. And I feel so good. Like, it makes my morning happy. I what? feel so productive. I'm what? up earlier. Okay. It 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 curbs my appetite. Um, I just think it makes me, like, more excited to get to the painting desk in the morning. It makes me more pumped to, like, do businessy stuff. I think we should all be cowboys. Truly. Coffee is a god if it makes you do all those things. It does. There's going to be like a million people that echo your same sentiments like in the comments section. What I'm surprised mostly by, that has caffeine in it, right? Yeah. So you're a, a soda. Do you drink soda during the week or no? Yeah. I, I mean, I've cut back since I've had the coffee. Like now right. I maybe have sense. a can every other day. But you used to drink like two, three cans a day. So, this doesn't do the same thing to me. That's I think- super interesting. Yeah, and I there's probably maybe because I'm drinking strong coffee. Mm-hmm. It's not that strong. It's the Death Wish dark roast or whatever. It's nothing like. Sounds pretty fucking strong. Yeah, but it's Death Wish. I know. They have a pretty awesome logo. That's why I bought theirs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like half the reason I buy the beer I buy. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's how cool is the logo and how badass is the name? <laughs> yeah, right. I bought that. Yeah, it's probably more caffeine than this, but this still is not like weak sauce. Yeah, I don't actually know how like what how soda compares to coffee. Um, obviously you can like. You can coffee's kind of like sorry, soda's kind of like standard. Like mm-hmm. there's I don't know if there's like one brand that's like we have the most caffeine. Like they don't advertise that. Surge. Uh yeah, yeah. Jolt. Yeah, or any energy drink, I suppose. Yeah. 
But like coffee, you can kind of like tailor your experience with, right? You yeah. can get six shots of espresso over ice and, and drink that. Or you can just get like a black coffee or like an Americana or whatever. And they all have different levels. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of hard to know when you brew your own how much caffeine it has. Unless it says in the tin. That's a good, a good point. I don't know. I think one thing too is like this stuff doesn't affect me too much. If I drink a monster, I'll feel that. But it's a different high than coffee. Okay. Coffee is like this, this nice on and off ramp. Monster makes me just like I'm gonna have a heart attack. Not like that extreme, but it's like it's it gets me jittery. Mm. Um, and where I don't want to sit still, and coffee just makes me happy and and alert. Okay. So I don't know if there's something to do with the the beans, yeah, versus the chemicals, the the bean the bean makeup. This has nothing to do with coffee. I mean, it kind of does. It makes me happy. I also, um, since I started this, I got two other side tangents here. I've lost ten pounds in two weeks. <sighs> <laughs> started drinking coffee yeah because i um i what? i drink black coffee for breakfast and i drink a ton of water and i just i don't eat till supper and then because oh I, you just okay yeah i mean black coffee is not the reason i <laughs> yeah, lost it's because weight. you're skipping a whole meal well i've made it a active decision in my life that i i want to lose weight yeah and so this was something that really helped that um, but then by the time I get to supper, because I haven't eaten anything and my stomach shrinks, if I'm eating good foods, um, I get, I still get, I get fuller faster and then I don't overeat. That's good. And I cut sugar out. Nice. So yeah, maybe it's the lack of sugar, the lack of one entire meal. Yeah. You or it's coffee. You don't have sugar and carbs and you're only eating once a day. I mean, it's, co- it's the, it's the coffee doing the work. Yeah, it's the coffee doing the work. And then we're going to have tendies for lunch. Hey. This is going to be great. It's going to be great because then I'm not going to eat supper. I'm just switching it. You're not eating supper? Last weekend, we had a, a belated Father's Day, and I made big steaks on the grill for the whole fam. So we had that for lunch. And then I was, just didn't eat supper because I had a big... So I'm going to go with that. Okay. Um, also, last weekend, for the first time in my life, I went to a Starbucks and ordered a coffee off their drive-through menu. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm about 20 years late to the party on this. Did you wait like 20 minutes in line? But no, I was like, "Holy fuck! I don't know how to order anything here. What yeah. the hell is a grande? <laughs> what is a? I just want a black coffee. It's like I gotta go through this fucking Venn diagram <laughs> to order a black coffee medium. I that was it. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. And so I had to like talk to the 17 year old through the thing. Like I'm an old yeah, man. You're like, how do I order? I just want to, I want a, a black coffee and not too big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she can figure it out. She okay. That's All right. You, you're, that's, that's it. I'm I've been a- trying to get past this for like the last <laughs> five minutes, but you're just like, and then I'm like, I fucking hate coffee. Okay. Um, Go. You got one, don't you? You got one. Yeah, I, for once. Okay, yeah. Let me fucking talk, John. Jesus Christ. Just talk. Just talk. Just talk. Uh, I have a history with ultrasonic cleaners that have led me to the conclusion that they're fucking useless and they don't, never do anything. Uh, mostly in regards to stripping miniatures. Sure. Um, so, a long time ago, probably like five, four months ago, I bought like an Omega ultrasonic cleaner. It costs like 60 bucks. It's like a giant metal box. Uh, it has the capability to heat the liquid up and vibrate it. Oh, okay. uh, which is like what normal ultrasonic cleaner does. Some of them like allow you to adjust the frequency with which the things are vibrating at. Not oh. this one, but this one like has a variable timer. You can set it to whatever, like like anywhere from one to nine hundred and ninety nine minutes. You can set it, 
and you can also have the temp and it maintains the temp. So it's kind of like, it's very fancy. You can use it as a sous vide machine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of, yeah. You want to vibrate my meat? Um, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that meant. Um, so I bought some models from my local game store to use as test models for an upcoming army I'm going to paint. Mm-hmm. And the thing, for some reason, was in front of me, the ultrasonic cleaner. So I was like, I don't care. Why not? I'll try it. Oh, I know why. It was because I was cleaning airbrushes with it. Um, and so I put the miles in there with isopropyl alcohol and let it rip for like 20, 30 minutes at like 50 degrees Celsius. So fairly warm. Mm-hmm. At one point I was at 60 and I was like, this is kind of dangerously warm. Like I can't, I can't keep my hand in there. It's too hot. Ooh. So I was kind of concerned. I was going to get a little bendy, bendy boys. You don't want to melt your pokey boys. Yeah. And 20, 30 minutes, uh, it was exactly how I want a stripping agent to work. I don't know if it was the, the ISO that was doing the lift heavy lifting mm-hmm. or it was the ultrasonic cleaner from experience putting miles in isopropyl alcohol. I got to believe it was the shit, the, the, the vibrator, <laughs> the ultrasonic cleaner, just because like putting miles in 30 minutes in ISO that have been painted. I don't know. However long ago, these are mystery models, right? Sure. And then hitting it with a toothbrush like that shit never comes off as well as it did. Mm-mm. It came fucking right off. And I was just like, Holy cow. This is magical. Um, so earlier, I then used them to clean my airbrush, which I'll say out loud, I've heard different things about whether or not it's okay to use an ultrasonic cleaner from the companies that make airbrushes. So for, from Ken Schofield, the owner of Badger, I've seen in a seminar six years ago at this point where he said they're not good for airbrushes. I have a contact at Iwata that I talk to all the time. I asked that person, is it okay to use it on your brushes? And they're like, yeah, it's fine. So I have different conflicting answers. Okay. Um, people, Some people say it's bad. Some people don't care. So I thought I'd throw that out there. But it worked great for the airbrush. It worked amazingly. Um, I feel like an airbrushing god now. Did you take everything apart yes. and put it in there separately? I took it apart. I even did deeper cleaning. I took like some pipe cleaners and cleaned out like the 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 needle ceiling chuck or nut, sorry, and all kinds of stuff. Um, did you scrub that after it went through the ultrasonic cleaner? Yes. Okay. Um, and yeah, like I, I assume I just haven't cleaned my airbrush in a very long time and it was affecting the performance, but holy cow, it's like so much better. <laughs> That's... That's cool. No, yeah. So yeah, ultrasonic cleaners. Maybe they're. Maybe it's the. Maybe it was the one that does the heat. Maybe it was just keeping in there for thirty minutes. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was just a rip in the space time continuum, and it only worked in the exact situation that you used it. And the next time you use it, it's not gonna do anything. Yeah. That, that feels entirely likely to me. Yeah. It worked <laughs> for the airbrushes, and then it worked for the models. Okay. So I'll leave the model in the description. It's expensive. Um, and it worked for me. Maybe it's like that one just vibrates them at like a like a way higher frequency or a way lower frequency. Because yeah. whenever I've seen them or Whatever seen them in videos, because I've never seen it in person, it always looks like it's not doing anything. Yeah, like, all this this does. Look yeah, like I want it to be like a, you know, like a bubbling swamp. Yeah, you know, it doesn't wanna... do that. But like when you put a thing in there and turn it on, the thing looks like it's smoking. Oh. Like it's just like whatever. Like the paint is just wisping off. Yeah, and that's like, what I want to see. Yeah, and then it makes this horrendous racket. It's very n- noisy. Oh, I want to that visual recognition. That's yeah, something terrible is happening. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a good story. Thank you for sharing that in our preamble ramble. You're very welcome, John. I got two more things to preamble <laughs> ramble about. Um, you know, in the after party, I'm going to talk about. We're going to talk about something new we tried, and and this is kind of tangent to that. 
You were pointing. Oh, you were skimming. I thought you were pointing to have me stop. No. Okay. Um, I've never worked so hard at mini painting as I have this week. And it has to do with my next video that's coming out that I restrict myself to painting two hours a night and to paint a whole army. And I like subconsciously put so much pressure on myself to get so much done in two hours that by the end of those two hours, like I'm like physically exhausted because I am rushing as fast as I can while still doing like brush control and doing all the details and whatever in the combination of trying to have speed and trying to have precision and, you know, still making mistakes. But like I've even like putting hundred of hundred plus hours into a competition. Me, like, I feel like I've never worked this hard to paint a mini. Before. Really? Wow. And I, I don't know. I think it's because I'm compiling all the things that we don't typically do at a given time, all in one sitting. And can you give me an example of what you're compiling? <laughs> so like in your brain, it's it's i mean it's not consciously in my brain that i'm doing it it's okay. like it's it's the constant notion of being under a time constraint like i sit down it's 8 30 and i'm always thinking about the time and what i'm hoping to accomplish in that time so i'm always like pushing myself so there's always a stress of go 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 that's oppressive and, and then the overwhelming feeling of when i'm two models in of doing this freaking gold trim everywhere that i'm like i look at the whole macro and be like there's no way I'm doing this in two hours. There's no way. I have to go faster. I have to go faster. Oh, am I missing a spot? Am I missing a spot? Uh, I got to mix more of the stupid paint. I got to, like, everything is, is so quick and happening at the same time. And I put this pressure on myself. So by the time I'm done, like, my shoulders are like rocks because I'm just like squished up and tense the whole mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't recommend it, but it's for science. Is this possible? Because my theory with this video is I'm going to take every excuse that people have for not getting an army done, and I'm going to check every one of those damn excuse boxes, and I'm going to do it all in one fell swoop. And if I can pull this off, you have no fucking excuse. So is the title of the video going to be, your excuses are bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> well, I get a lot of ragers if I do that. <laughs> um it's got to be something aggro. Yeah, so, I don't know. Like, or uplifting. You could be like, you could you could take a different path and be like, no one's gonna watch it if it's uplifting. Yeah, you could be like, you can do this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like but that kind of vibe, like not yeah. that exactly. Um, yeah. If if I like, <laughs> if I can paint this army in a week, you have zero excuses. Yeah, something yeah. like that. So it's either yeah, okay. I suppose that's kind of in the middle. I was thinking either totally uplifting or you're a bitch. Like. What? <laughs> Like one of the two. That's just the title. <laughs> yeah. Three words. You're a bitch. Hello, limited monetization. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay. It's, it's worth it. So you're exerting yourself. You're getting sweaty. I, yeah, it's it's exhausting. And like, here here's the question for you. You have to be honest. Um, are you at the... I, maybe I can't ask this question yet because the process isn't done yet. It's not done yet. But the the question is, is is it a net positive or a net negative thing? And maybe it's hard to tell like now and maybe it'd be easier to tell in like a couple months. But yeah, how do you feel about that? I, th I think it's a net negative to not having completed this and even know if I'm going to finish it. But it's a net positive to go through it under the most possible time and limitation constraints. I haven't even used an airbrush yet. It's, what? Uh, I haven't used an airbrush, and I don't know if I'm going to. You, the, 
It, from what I saw in the pictures, the miles looked like they had color mostly on them already. So why, yeah. why, there would be no point where I would see would use an airbrush. Unless you had like a large detail that was like sequestered off from the model and you could kind of like spray it. Um, the only thing that I might do an airbrush for is one, if I was going to do the enamel or oil wash to do that through an airbrush to speed it way up. Okay. But I don't think it's that much more time consuming and I got to deal with cleaning an airbrush. But doing things like OSL at the end, like I like to do like a bright opaque white on like lenses and stuff like that and then spray, oh, the, spray okay. the red. Like yeah. that I'll probably just do at the end anyway and be like, you don't have to do this step. I want my army to look a little bit cooler. This is what I'm going to do. But um, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I think to go through it with all, with what I would, I don't know if worst case scenario, but like most restrictive scenario and then to, to, to say this was all possible with all of these self-imposed restrictions. If this is possible, there is a more lax, more obtainable version of this that I feel anybody can do. Because there's no step that I've done this far and there's no steps that I have planned out that I feel that any miniature painter can't accomplish. Nothing is really is is skill-based or anything. It's just do you have the motivation and, um, you know, the the desire to do it, you can do it. So I think it will be worth it. I think it'll be worth it. Okay. And then the last thing, what was my last thing? Who knew bits could make, who knew bits would make me so excited? Okay. So, so okay. Here's the thing. Bits. I saw the word hard above because <laughs> we said, why is many painting it made me work so hard? And I was like, why? Who never knew that bits made me so hard? I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> this is a particularly sexual episode. <laughs> this is definitely NC 17 right now. Yeah, it's double B. It's boner bits. <laughs> These are different than boner boy bits. Yeah. They're different. Uh, yeah, they are. They're different. So, local guy on the Facebook, we have a local uh, Warhammer Age of Sigmar Facebook group. And he's like, does anyone want to buy all my extra bits? And he sent a picture, and there's just like 50 sprues and stuff's not cut off of them. Ugh, he's work. a player. He's not really a painter, and he's not a converter. He's not like a hobbyist. He's just a hardcore player. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll give you 50 bucks for everything. And he's like, cool. I It's fine. So I go and meet him in a old abandoned shop go parking lot and uh i get the bits i give him the cash he gives me the stuff <laughs> and i didn't even know what was in there but there are sprues of eight or nine different age of sigmar armies in there and wow. it was just like he cut out the dude's torso the dude's legs, the dude's head to do two of the dude's arms yeah and everything else was on there yeah and I got so excited because a lot of this stuff, like you've seen the kits, you see the pictures on GW site, you've mm -hmm. seen the artists, blah, blah, blah. But you don't necessarily like look at things through the lens of just them on their own. This is free to use yes. whatever I want. And I don't have this preconceived notion of I bought this box of Incubi. I know what they are. I've clipped them out. I've built them. I've looked at all the bits to decide which head or what arm, whatever. Like they have this box that you've put them in in your head of what they are. Mm -hmm. But I'm just pulling up a sprue and looking at it. And I'm like, that head is super cool. I don't even know what kit it's for. I don't necessarily know what army it's for, but I just like, oh, whoa. And you start thinking the possibilities. So I don't know if there's a way to manufacture that with your own stuff, but I was so hyped to look at all this stuff through this lens of possibility instead of deciding this is a Caradron overlord dude with the balloon backpack. Like I didn't 
look at it that way. And it was so cool. And so I'm like, I'm super pumped once I'm done with this stinking video to sit down and clip all those out and organize them. And, and I think I have a video idea that's mm -hmm. come to me based on this. So yeah. bits are freaking cool. That's, that's the end of the story. That's See, cool. That's story. I sometimes like it when you just look at a very simple thing and it almost like inspires an entire idea. Yes. So yeah, with those bits, I imagine that was probably happening a couple that's times. Exactly what it was. Cause yeah. you, again, it was like, I didn't think, cause if, if it's like a, if it's like a different head for this guy, when you look at it, not even knowing what you're doing, your brain is picturing then the whole guy. It is put, it's putting around limitations of the possibilities because you connect it to an existing thing. When you don't have that, um, it's super cool. Yeah. So, um, what you do is give yourself a concussion. Oh, Jesus Christ. Then go look at your bits box while you're still woozy and kind of nauseous. Woozy. And then your brain won't connect what it's for. And you'll have these ideas and jot them down. You know, you probably have to write left-handed because your brain's not working right now. Yeah. Um, jot like down internally. Yeah. General ideas of just what is your natural response. Also, and don't do that. Don't give yourself a concussion. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess not. God, why do you got to be? So I put together the Razor Wing Jet Fighter mm -hmm. for the Dark Eldar and it comes with a bunch of extra missiles and the Venoms come with extra guns too. And I was like, dude, I want to make like a like a weapons battery piece of terrain for like that has all these fucking missiles and guns and shit. Yeah. I thought that'd be super cool. Cause there's so many extra like fucking guns. Yeah. Like big guns. Oh, one of the bits. So first of all, this dude has a Gargant's army, which are the big giants. Yeah. And in, I got all the bits from three mega Gargants, which are like 200 bucks a box. Damn. And six of the baby Gargants. Jesus. And he didn't use and in both of those kits. Like there's a, buttload of extra stuff so i've got like a dozen different various farm animals <laughs> i've so got awesome i've got three running johans do you know who johan yeah, is yeah. i got three of them now i don't yeah. know what the fuck to do it's fucking johan by the way oh is it johan you fucking american joe yeah johan sebastian bach joe okay. sonja joe son you know whatever <laughs> johan vallejo vallejo <laughs> oh yeah i fucked it up <laughs> <laughs> Johan's a much funnier name. It is funnier. Okay. But in one of the Mega Gargant kits, there's this piece that like supposed to go on their hip, which is like a bunch of shields and various weapons and armor bits of Fuck. all these different factions in Age of Sigmar. And it like goes on the hip. But it's actually perfectly sculpted with this round shape to it that it could go on as like a backpack or a cloak looking thing that yeah. just a, a regular size age of Sigmar dude is carrying. How sweet is that dude. to make a dude that's like, he's the man of arms, man at arms, or whatever. Like he's got all this stuff. Yeah, dude. Like give him like 17 sacks there. It's a comedy piece. Right. Yeah. This is a sack of sacks. <laughs> yeah. It's sack man. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So do you think it was worth 50 bucks? Oh, hundred percent. Like yeah. straight up. Just if I were to like piece it out, I could sell just the mega gargant bits which are like six of the 50 sprues on ebay for 100 bucks like no way. price yes when you, that when, shit for 100 when you bucks when you when you bit stuff out for specific things some stuff is really expensive plus it's like the minimum you you pay for just about any tiny little thing is like two three bucks in the more coveted stuff is 10 bucks for a bit so this is assuming you sell everything yeah and uh, he kind of made that argument too of like well you know like uh, i looked and you could sell what other stuff over uh, you know way way more than this and i'm like okay 
do, do it, it do it exactly yeah. yeah i'm giving you 50 american dollars and you don't have to carry all this crap around anymore you don't gotta do anything yep. yeah 100 percent. So I, I, I think it was a win-win yeah so yeah i'm, I'm happy there Gave him the old John Nina sales pitch. Right. Yeah. And then I got him in on the pyramid scheme. <laughs> I got one more real quick thing that's really, really funny. So yesterday, one we'll of my patrons. One of my <laughs> I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> yesterday, one of my patrons, he's like, oh man, I just listened to the latest podcast. And the latest podcast, the last one. Kind of forget what we talk about. Um uh, we were talking about Ben Cantor and about the fact that he listens to podcasts at two times speed. And yeah, I, yeah. And I talked really fast yeah, yeah, yeah. to fuck with him. Yeah. And he's like as soon as you went through that spot, I stopped, I rewound it, and then I listened to it at two times speed. And he's like, I laughed for like five minutes oh of how gosh. ridiculous it sounded. Yeah. And I'm like, there's something funny about Chipmunk funny voices. words. Oh, funny sounds and funny, funny words. Funny sounds. Yeah, dude. Poops and, and poops and peas, dude. Yeah, dude. Oh, there was a lot of poops and peas in the last episode. <laughs> was there? Yeah, there was. I don't know. So the thing is, is like we do the podcast, the. Not the Friday before it comes out, but the Friday before that Friday yeah. that it comes out. I don't know mm. how to describe that in terms of like a, a single word. And neither um, of us edit it, so we don't... Exactly. <laughs> so I don't... I mean, obviously, what, pretty much what we say ends up in the episode. Nothing really gets removed. Unless John goes on like a really bad racial spree. Like, Jesus Christ. No, I'm just kidding. He just never does that. Um, but like, so yeah, everything we say goes in. And then like someone in my Discord will be like... They'll answer a question that I like threw out into the universe. I'm like, what the fuck are you saying? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then like, and they tell me, it's like, oh yeah, I said that like uh, a week and three days ago. Right. Um, so weird. But I um I listen to it typically like when I'm doing work at my work desk, and my wife will come down. And she's like, are you listening to yourself? <laughs> In a very accusatory tone of voice, I'll have you know. <laughs> And I'm like, I try to explain to her. I'm like, this happened like a week and a half ago. And if you were to ask me an hour after we record the podcast what we talk about, I'll probably not remember most of it. <laughs> because it's not like it's all planned out and like we have this in our head and it's gone through our brain a number of times. And hey. so you remember it. We got a thing. I Let, mean, let's give ourselves some credit here. We got a little thing we maintain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a skeleton. Yeah, yeah. But what the final Frankenstein monster looks like, I got no idea. Yeah. So I tell her, like, when I listen to it, and this is 100% truthful, I don't know what's coming next because <laughs> I don't remember any of it. But you remember everything as soon as it's said. Yes. Once it starts, once it starts, like, the conversation goes. But then there's always something that, that is thrown in there that I still think is funny. So, yeah, maybe I'm vain. Like, when you get to this point, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, this is the part where we talk about how they can't remember it. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. When, they talk, when they hear it for the first time, then they remember it. Yeah, they remember you're going to remember it. me saying all this. Hi, John. Hey, Scott. <laughs> Thanks for watching. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> um, We're speaking into the future. Isn't that kind of weird? All about? right. Fuck this pram ramble. <laughs> what is this? Don't like, look at the time. It's like, okay, the recorder says 30 minutes. It's probably oh, more like, Lord. like 25 or 22. Okay. The topic discussion for today. I thought we we're going to do what we painted. Is some, oh, fuck. Oh, my God. You, you've forgotten. Here's the thing. And then by news? this point we should be past. <laughs> right. I think the news is after the topic. Yeah, it is. All right. Anyway, so we painted. Um, you gonna go first, or should I go first? You're going first. Okay. I painted like thirteen or fourteen different uh, dark Eldar test models for a yellow paint scheme. Um, I probably also, since I last was on the podcast, finished the Witch Hunter from Cursed City. Mm. I don't know if I talked about that. 
Maybe I did. You, um, you talked about it last episode, but you hadn't finished it yet. Okay, cool. Yeah, so he's done, and I did a bunch of test models uh, for my impending army paint job that I'd like to do. Okay. I last Since we last met um, on that episode of the stream, aren't episodes, but on the last stream, um, when you were finishing that dude, I started one of the um, Soulblight Gravelords Underworlds dudes, the feral dude with the wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I painted him on stream. Not all the way to completion, but I was like having fun trying a little bit harder on him. And so that was fun. I don't know when I'll finish him. I almost brought him today to do on stream, but I was like, I don't, I'm not pumped to do that. So I didn't. Um, and then also I've been painting my 40K army, my Night Lord's army uh, for the last started Monday. Today is Friday, uh, two hours a night. Um, so that's not done yet. But it's one of those weird things that I found this is the second time I've done an army that the 80% of the work, the 80% of the time you spent, when you do it the way that I do it with a lot of, of, of weathering and pulling it all together at the end, um, the first 80% doesn't look that good. And yeah. then in the last 20%, it actually looks good. At least that's my hope. I'm not there yet. Right. Um, I think that's probably the case for most people. Maybe that like line is moved further to the left, depending sure. on how you paint. Like if you're right. the kind of person who paints on like a black base coat and you paint like the arm, like that looks pr- that looks good at like yeah. multiple stages, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what we call that the the Richard Gray whip version of right. painting. Really, any British person whip, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's well, funny in Richard Gray recent video, he addresses that. Does and, he? And he's like, you know, he says it that that he throws stuff out for whips, and then people say like, "What are you talking about? That looks amazing." He's like, "What's well, because you don't see the back, or you, your your eyes are drawn to the thing that I'm painting, and you don't see all the things I haven't painted." Oh yeah, no, I have no quarrel with people no. saying, "Here's a really good fucking arm. The rest of the model isn't done. This is a whip." Like, I, yeah, of course. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, I'm not ripping on him, and I don't think that you're not they, whipping on. Him. I'm not whipping on. <laughs> hey, Ricky. <laughs> Can we call him Ricky Gray now? No, 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 no. Oh, no. I think I'm We gonna. take a lot of liberties here in this podcast. Uh, right. That's one we cannot take. Yes, we yes. Can't go, we um, I, what I didn't do this time was I didn't do a test model. Mm-hmm. And you are ahead of me. No, I'm not. I mean, not literally ahead of me in the, in, in the paint job process. But the work that you did will catch you up to the level that I got to much quicker because I didn't. I have a process, but I, I don't have any confidence in it. And so I'm mm. questioning too much because okay. I haven't done it before. Yeah. So you have whatever you've decided based on that yellow scheme video that you're going to go for. You're just, you're just be 100% committed to it and just do it. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. you'll you'll make up ground so much faster. Absolutely. Um, I don't even... This is a plus and minus of not doing a, a test model is that I have no idea what my models are going to look like when I'm done, which is scary it's a little spooky. It's scary. So spooky, I may huh? not like the army at all when it's done. And I'm like, this is a coin flip chance right now. I'm a little bit nervous. But if it does look, look cool, I'm going to feel way better than if I did a test model and it turned out cool. Because yeah, I'm going to be kinda, like, oh! It's kind of like you cheated and got away with it kind of right. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the procrastinator wins out in the end kind of thing. That's, well, I mean. <laughs> that is life. Yeah. I mean, also, you're definitely not the procrastinator in this situation. Um. You, okay. work, you work well under pressure, though. Is that true? I'm uh, going to say it because if you put it out in the universe, it becomes true. Yeah, you're speaking in it. Yeah, you're speaking it into my subconscious. You're making it true. What's that called? That's not called astral projection. That's called. I forget what that's called. 
It doesn't matter. It's uh, ah! <laughs> self-realization. Yeah, actualization. Actually, sure. One of those words. Yeah, I'm sure we're wrong, but if we say it with enough confidence, <laughs> <laughs> people will still tell us in the comments. <laughs> Hello. Before moving on to today's podcast topic, let's hear a brief message from today's sponsor, and that is Broken Anvil Miniatures, brought to you by a lonely Scott because John has abandoned me, but his absence is made a little bit less so by the uh, presence of these very sexy miniatures. <laughs> Broken Anvil Miniatures does it all. They sell wonderfully characterful miniatures for both tabletop applications and display painting. I can say from firsthand experience, these casts are absolutely crispy as well. So you're in for a very satisfying paint job. They've also been selling STL files of their designs on their Patreon, Broken Anvil Monthly. For nine bucks a month, you get access to over 50 individual models, including Owlfolk, Ratkin, Howlers, tons of terrain, and an Algon, whatever that terrifying thing is. All of this and more from their line of pre-supported 3D printable miniatures. If you want to test the quality of their designs, they have a free dwarf model available for printing on their site. Lastly, if Kickstarter is more your speed, you can still late pledge their campaign, Dungeon Delvers, which has more great designs like Mouse Folk, Frog Kin, and something I never thought I needed, Shroom People. You can find all the details about Broken Anvil miniatures in the description below. Thank you to Broken Anvil for supporting the podcast. Now, on to the main topic. So the topic for today, I think, has the potential to be really interesting. Okay. So here's the situation. John and I are working on a collaboration um, at the moment. Uh, I'm going to do this. It might. It, I don't know if it's going to end up being a collaboration. And here's why. So the collaboration is the idea for the video is to how long does it take someone to paint an army that they're actually happy with? Mm -hmm. So we've done the thing where we paint an army in two days. Mm -hmm. um, and now it's like, okay, we've done that. What if I want to paint an army to make it look really nice? How long does that take? Um, so today's episode is about the things that we are doing to expedite the painting process and still get results that we like. And I'm well, I think why I think it's interesting is because this podcast will come out after the videos air. Yeah. And so right now we can talk about what we plan to do. And then the viewers, when they see the videos can see what ends up in the process, like what was worth it and what wasn't worth it perhaps. Mm -hmm. So I think we should just spill all our beans right now. Yeah. You're also like, you are time traveling right now. Yes. Because the video will, videos will already have been out, but we're doing this from a perspective of not having finished them yet. Yeah. So on a table for you audio listeners, I have a Razorwing Jet Fighter, five Incubi, an Archon, a Venom. And then behind me, I have even more stuff. Um, so I, I have not begun the painting process yet. I, well, other than for the testing, uh, lots of testing on the yellow stuff. Um, so I have a lot of ideas about how I can go fast, but I have no idea if they're good ideas. Because mm. as we've said before in the past, army painting is really like a skill. Sure. Like when you're painting an army, you're you're looking at the army, the army as a whole, almost as if it is a single display model. That's kind of mm. how I think it should be thought about. I don't know, but that's how I think it should be. Hmm. It, you, you know should, what I mean? It should. It's yeah. You put this different weight on yourself or it's very easy to put this weight on yourself based on when we look at armies what we then expect of ourselves that they should live as a unified thing 
because they should all feel like they belong together. They should all feel like that it is a cohesive experience to see them all together. Yeah. And you put then this weight on yourself, whether you're thinking about it or not, that I have to make all these decisions or I have to put all these restrictions on myself. And I'm not saying that's good or that's bad, but you have to do that when you're undertaking a project like this, which is not something you have to do when you're painting a single figure or even a unit of figures. Yeah. So there is this different layer to it hmm. um, that most of us, unless you're Vinci V, don't do often enough in our lives to really ever feel comfortable with it. And I think that's my first thing that when, when we talked about having this as the, the subject of the video that I came to is that you need to understand that a majority or a good percentage of this whole process for you will be uncomfortable because you've not done it a hundred times oh yeah or even five times and there are those of you that have done it that many times but i would even say if this is your sixth army it's still a whole unique experience and there's still things you're going to do sixth army i feel like you'd be starting to get into a rhythm by then but you never want to do two the same way well the 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 skeleton the process is yeah yeah you'll, you'll you'll start to feel a little bit of of comfortability there but yeah. i i think my main point with this is that you're you're going to feel uncomfortable and that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong okay and it doesn't mean you need to stop and second guess everything because that's what i find myself doing with this is with my current army is that i'm second guessing everything i'm doing yeah but i don't have the luxury of time because i have the the restraint of a video release date i don't have the luxury to sit and second guess and try out and redo and whatever. Yeah. And I actually think that's a good thing. Sometimes it is a good thing. Uh, I think sometimes it can be a bad thing as well. It, there, there will be times where you're being like, ah, I'm going to redo it over again. Or I, or I really listened to my gut here. I've done it this way instead of this way. You'll say that. But you'll say that out of two of the things when you had 20 decisions to make that you, you hemmed and hawed over. And at the end of the day, one of those 20, if you do that every time and just really overanalyze everything, you're going to get caught and you're just going to put it down and you're not going to bring it, put it back up. Like well, I, you're, yeah. It depends on the person, right? Sure. Sure. I think it, I mean, all, all of this is with the grain of salt, but I think the average person is like, if you, you, you just put too much stress and pressure on yourself to make, make every decision feel like it has to be the hundred percent perfect decision. I need to know it's the perfect decision before yeah, I move that's forward a fallacy. Yeah. because I've got 60 to a hundred models to do it on. So I've sure. got to make sure it's right. Is there's no right or wrong. Yeah. Right. You know, there is there. You can sometimes you can just say, dude, all the, the Brown staves and sticks and shit. Who cares? Yeah. Just get a base coat. Grab a Brown. Yeah. You don't need to highlight that shit. You don't need 15 Browns for your, God damn Dark Eldar. You need one brown. <laughs> Just make a decision and move on. So, um, yeah, that's my first thing with this is... Um, Hold on. Before, can I give a pre-thing? pre, a pre thing? Mm -hmm, Here's mm -hmm. what I'll say. When, when I painted armies as a young lad, and that's all I did, and I finished Ooh. a few of them, I no longer have them, very sadly. Ooh. I had a fully painted Miniheim, Miniheim, Middenheim army, and a fully painted Vampire Count army, and I sold them both like a fucking idiot. Also, my orc army is fully painted, but it's kind of it's sitting right there in a box. Anyways, yeah. the way I'm thinking about army painting right now is way different than when I used to think about it as a little kid. Really? Yeah, way different. So now, like right now, 
like we're really min maxing this process really sure. like getting everything we can and part of it is because it's a time restraint that we put on ourselves because of video production it makes it more interesting for the viewer um but i think a much more normal way to paint an army is to not think about this shit maybe it isn't maybe i'm wrong um and just to paint a unit at a time like a normal ass person <laughs> you know you're a regular ass person yeah it's like you don't need to paint your whole space marine army at the same time yeah. if that's gonna burn you out fuck it just paint five fucking dudes and then go on to the next five dudes and then throw a character in there and then you know paint a vehicle yeah. um i'd be interested to hear obviously people who are more probably about like the gaming aspect sure. probably look to min max the painting process yeah, because it's almost probably more. It's almost like list building. Thinking about painting is almost better than painting for people like <laughs> right. that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know. Maybe there's an interesting ratio there. But like, yeah, the way we talk about painting right now isn't necessarily how you need to paint an army. Sure. Anyways, let's go. Okay. Um, I think that that leads well into um one of the topics I wanted to discuss today was to decision make with yourself before you begin. And I think you need to have a couple of things figured out before you before you begin. And not that if you don't make these decisions, you're going to fail or it's going to look terrible. But I think you're going to make your life easier in the long run. Um, and the first thing is, what what do I want out of this? What oh, I by, oh, what geez. I mean by that is, I do I want out of this to just have a project that I'm going to do at my own pace and enjoy. Okay. Do I want the best looking painted army that I can possibly do? Okay. Do I want this done by the end of the month? You know, questions like that. Do what, what is it? What is my really my goal here? Because I think if you don't actualize that or you don't put it out in the universe and just make a decision on it, I think you become indecisive and you say, oh, gosh, I'm five primaris in and it's taken me three weeks and I did really want this done for the tournament next month. But if, if you can put some context around what you're trying to achieve, I think then you can always tie yourself back to that and it will help you in minor decisions. It'll help you with your whole process. If you're saying, I want the best painted space Marine army on the block or whatever, then I'm going to say, look, I'm not restricting myself to number of steps. I'm not restricting myself for time. But in order for me to have the best painted army, the whole paint army has to be finished. So I need to do something for myself to keep me moving to actually get there this year. And so what does that mean for me? That means I shouldn't take more than two weeks for every unit or something like that. I think the more you can define what you want out of it, what are your goals? What are you looking to achieve? The more you can define that early on, um, the better and more confident you'll feel as you move through the project. You know what I appreciate about you? <laughs> what I appreciate about you? <laughs> you really do think way more than I do about the the long, not the long term, but like the full roadmap. Like you're a great high level guy. Well, hold on there, Squirrely Dan. <laughs> <laughs> uh i like i feel like i get way down in the details like really fast and i don't think about the end destination oh i do like i know i need to be done by a certain point obviously. yeah but it's like i don't connect 
that end date with how fast I'm moving or at least not good enough. Like I don't think, okay, I painted that unit in 30 hours talking about my fucking blood nights. Like Mm -hmm. there's no chance I'm going to paint anything else like valuable or like that looks as good as that, you know, in a reasonable amount of time. Um, Yeah. I need to do more of that. I think Mm. so an army is a, is a whole box of Jenga blocks, right? Mm. Okay. This is all Jenga blocks. Okay. 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 I didn't realize it, but now we're getting into a job metaphor. Okay. Okay. And the game of Jenga doesn't work unless you have the full blocks of, of Jenga blocks. That's totally false. Um, I mean, yes, it, I mean, whatever. If it functions, <laughs> it functions, but it is it is a whole object. When Here's they're all put together, Here's it a is a Jenga tower. <laughs> I got a riddle for you. What's the thing that breaks when you remove one part? A uh, car. That's not true. You remove one windshield wiper. Remove one tire. <laughs> It's a little more challenging. <laughs> Remove one steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, go on with your Jenga analogy. It is both a a single object and a sum of its parts. There you go. And while at any one point you are only taking out one Jenga block, it still is part of the full Jenga tower. It, re- it returns itself to the Jenga tower. Oh, okay. Okay. And so you need to occasionally take a step back and look at that Jenga tower to find which individual piece is best suited to still keep the tower intact. And you only do, you only do that by taking a step back and reminding yourself of the whole project. Okay, so the analogy, the way, the way this analogy is working is that... I like that you're my interpreter yeah, for the analogy. No, I'm trying to make sure I understand. Okay. So your, the, the, the Jenga thing is like... These are all the steps that I could do. Yes. I'm going to remove as much as I can until I'm left with the same vague shape of a Jenga tower, but I have a lot of inefficiencies removed. Right. But the problem being that you put the Jenga blocks back on top. Yeah, because it's still got to be part of the tower. Once you finish that unit of Incubi, it is still part of the tower. It is still part of the army. Okay. (laughs) But you just can't be so hyper-focused on any single piece at any given time to realize that it ceases to be a whole experience, a whole tower, if you pick the wrong one. All right. So no, no more further questions, uh, Judge. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, you just need to take a step back. Oh. oh, oh. That's, that's your foot. I thought it was a dog. It's just your socked no, foot. John, I play a little footsie right there. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you about an approach that I'm going to take to this army, and you can tell me if I'm an idiot, and all the audience members can too that have painted more armies than me. Um, I've always seen people do bases apart from the models and any time you keep something separate, the main benefit is that you can airbrush both parts because there's no masking that needs to be done and yeah. the, the divide is super clean. So my thought was to keep the models off of their bases. The logistical issue then becomes you need to find a thing to put the models on so they can be held. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's good. So here's my idea. Um, I'm going to do the bases separately with an airbrush so that it can be faster. Hopefully I'm going to do the airbrushing stages with the models and I'm going to double side tape them to a, a stir stick equivalent. Yeah. Um, and then when the airbrush stages are done, 
I'm going to super glue them to their bases because it has to happen eventually mm-hmm. to the complete bases. And then I will do the rest of the paintbrush painting with them on their bases and just hold the so base itself. Yeah, I, I don't have enough of the fucking handle shit things that I don't know. I'm so, being so sweary right now. So uh, sweary. Uh, I don't have enough of the painting handles to use for like an entire army at one point, which is the approach that I'm taking to paint this army. Um, so I'll just hold it by the base. But that's that that is an idea that I have. So airbrush things separately, glue them together, finish the paintbrushing process because I feel like long term painting a model that's double sided taped to a stick. That model's got it. It's gonna it's gonna bend and fail. The table fail at some point. Yeah, no. I I think if I think it's actually a really good approach. I kind of bummed I hadn't thought of that first. Bitch. <laughs> no, no, no. We're, not, only, com- we're not competing. We're okay, not competing. Right, 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 right. The the only downside of that that I see and it is a, a great time saver and allows you to do more things with the base. Is it a time saver? I think it is. Um, okay. As long as you're wanting to put a, some time into the base to make it unique if you want to yeah. have a blend of like dark blue up to orange or whatever on the base i do yeah then i think it's great i that would totally what i would do um i am not putting a lot of effort into my pieces so that that's not what i'm gonna do that's but i think it i think it's a really good idea the the only thing that makes me nervous when i do that is that when i'm doing all the stuff for the base and then i'm putting the model on i'm always hesitant Especially if it's just kind of like two little feet and one of them is up on his balls of his feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is adhesion? Uh, yeah, you're right. But I think that's a minor thing if you don't go too crazy with the whatever textures you do with and the, stuff. Te- yeah. Yeah. You know, or, or kind of loose stuff if you just like put loose sand on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, even then, I think you have a good glob of super glue on there. It'll go. F- some will hit the sand and some will actually go down into the base. I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, also, think, the model's pretty lightweight. So yeah. if it was a Peter model, it'd be a problem for sure. Yeah, I think you're right. But I think that's, I think it's a solid idea. I think you're, <laughs> you, where I was worried where you're going with that was that you were going to paint them all off the base. And I'm like, no. that's going to be a freaking problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I paint all mine. Like people use handles and stuff, which I think if I wasn't in a rush, I'd use a painting handle for doing my models but i just hold them by the base as i'm painting yeah, dude, for this stuff doing it old school dude yeah it's like i i've never felt like oh i can't complete this step because i don't have the model exactly the yeah it's like a five percent comfort boost right and the quality level that i'm looking for any particular step is doesn't require that so yeah i think that's a great idea that's a nice little hack yeah nice okay. little hack. would you like to give a hack i have another one um gosh i wasn't thinking about a hack um i'll just i'll do a real quick one that's that's pretty obvious but i think it it's helped me a lot is that i want to get one step 100 percent to completion uh before i move on to another step and this is just a speed thing um and even if you're not painting your army for for speed it feels good to say okay now i'm all done with the reds and to say, I know that I've done all the reds, and I look at all my guys, and I can tell at a glance. Now, this is not if you're doing it one unit at a time. But even if you do it five or ten models at a time, if you do all the reds, and you kind of see them all at a le- the same level of completion, and you see them standing next to each other, you can visualize things, what they may need, or what you may need to tweak your approach, because you see a unit of them together. Again... This is multiple Jenga blocks. This is a one Jenga block. If I do one dude, 
all the way to the completion. Then I move on to the next dude. By the time I get a unit of all five all done and they're standing next to each other, I may have a realization where it's like, shoot, I should have done this different. Or they don't quite look as popping mm. in a group as, as they do if I just stare at one. So um, I liked, I'm not saying it's, it's just batch painting, but batch painting help, helps this process of seeing everybody as the full Jenga tower okay. in any given step. Yeah. Um, that's really good too because then you can mentally check off a step in your head and it really clears up your brain. Yes. So it's like, okay, I'm done with red. I do not need to do that anymore. Put the red paints away. Like, let's go. Yep. Um, if you keep telling yourself that like, oh, the red's 90% done and then like you're kind of like thinking about like, "Eh, should I do some more work? Should I do a few more brush strokes? So yeah, that's good to check things off officially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. There's something that is, we, we don't really think about it but it is often the momentum that keeps us moving is feelings of accomplishment. Yeah. And that's an easy feeling of accomplishment. It's like, ah, yes, check done with threads. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned earlier, I think sometimes we do a bad job of explaining our thoughts, uh, cause something comes more naturally to us. Uh, can you explain why painting an entire model on a stir stick double-sided tape to it is a bad thing like why would that be bad uh well there's a couple of reasons first of all the reasons you're putting it on the 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 stir stick or the painting stick in the first place um so i give an example or what to visualize what this actually is so we we think we've talked about it before when you go to the the paint store or the hardware store and you get the stir sticks for the big paint you use to paint your house you just go and get those for free um and you put tape or something on there and you put a whole whole line of minis on there Mm -hmm. you can prime them all together it makes it a lot quicker there's two problems with painting that way. The first one is that you've got all the dudes on there. So you're getting a full 360 access to any one of those models is pretty unlikely. Yeah, it's challenging. Um, and you've just And you're holding this whole stick, which makes it more awkward and more torque on your wrist over time if you're trying to continually turn that thing. So actual your actual application process of paint, you've just increased the difficulty level by three <laughs> alone. It's, it's tough. Um, and then a lot of times they are stuck down depending on the quality of your, your tape or whatever you have them adhered to. But if you're pushing that with your paintbrush, um, it can actually become wobbly or they have a bit of resistance that foam tape sometimes is a little bit of a give. So you're trying to get into a spot in the, the model's fighting you cause it's kind of leaning back as you're touching it. Yeah. Um, you've made your, your job more difficult. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Another point of efficiency about the stir sticks, which is something I read on a blog, I don't know how true it is, is uh, when you're painting the entire army at one point, or in one time, you lose a lot of time picking up and putting down models. So the ability to pick up 10 at a time, paint them and put them down all at the same time, maybe that also saves you some time as well. Mm. Like I don't, that's, that is really min-maxi. Um, I don't know how valuable that is, but that's one thing I read. I mean, we talked about doing a test model I do think in an ideal situation, you you do that. Yeah, um, having you, no decisions to be made. Yes, you know exactly what the things are going to look like. And that doesn't mean that like every model in your army is going to be looking the exact same because you painted them all based on this one test model. But it gives you a good general aesthetic that your time, army will all be tied together. Like I'm not going to paint all their helmets red, but... I'm going to have that red as my accent color. And I know then when I get to my rhino, and they use that same red for maybe some hazard stripes on the side or something like that. So the colors, they all feel like they're part of the same army. 
And I do have those micro decisions of when I get to the rhino, where I'm going to put the red. And that's just fine. But I've taken away a lot of the decision making because I've, one, done a test model. So I have confidence in the final look of something. I don't second guess myself. And two, because I have that, I have my steps written down. And this is a pretty important thing is that you write down what your steps are. You know, it's base coat highlight then gold trim, then all the red, then all the bone, then all the silver, whatever. It just so you are taking those decision points out. And now that may be said, it's like, look, I just painted all this gold. Next, My next step was all the silver. I'm kind of done with metals right now. I'm mentally like, don't want to deal with that. And I want to do something that's quicker. So now I'm going to do all the red because there's only a little bit of reds. And I'll come back to the silver. So I don't feel like you're you know being strangled by what you wrote down mm-hmm. you allow yourself um room for for adaptation but that adaptation is still checking a box off your list yeah okay i think it's impossible to go into an army knowing how to paint everything yeah like but the higher that percentage can be i feel like the the more you can turn your brain off and just kind of go with the flow yep. um okay i think parts of your paint plan should be efficient to the point where while you are progressing one part, you're also progressing another part if possible. And here's mm-hmm. an example. My dark Eldar army is khaki cloth and yellow armor. And this is going to be the death of me, but I want to paint portions of my army differently. So I want a portion of my army to be metallic yellow, which is not hard to do. It's just silver and yellow ink. I want a portion of my army to be yellow armor. I want a portion of the elites in my army to have white armor. And so it's like, wow, okay. That is almost like three different paint plans, but it isn't. And here's why it isn't. My undercoating process for my yellow armor completes my khaki. It's it's done. So if I just hit the yellow ink on the armor and avoid the khaki, which I do a pretty good job, job of, like it's enough to the point where if I put a contrast paint on top of the khaki, it kind of hides the yellow a little bit and it doesn't really matter, right? Sure. Um, and then the undercoating process plus an, an additional intermediate step also completes the white for the elite portions of my army. Mm-hmm. So it, it isn't like I am painting three totally different ways of painting. The metallic one is totally different. Um, but I'm able to kill several birds with one stone with the airbrush just cleverly organizing the paint plan and hopefully that'll save some time yeah i like that man you've thought this through because otherwise uh, yes. that could be a pain in the ass all big time all the way through all the yellow now i have to start from square one on the, on white. All the yeah white. yeah fuck that that's that's yikes on bikes right there big yikes on bikes um okay something that i think is kind of a pivotal intro question you need to answer um, which this applies to, I think, any miniature you paint, but it's equally, if not more so important when we're talking about the full Jenga tower. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, what's the most important part? What's the most important thing of this army? Okay. Or any individual unit in the army, any individual model of the army. And that is where I need to put most of my ball sack. <laughs> Okay. So we'll yeah, go back it's to like the, it's like a display model, the whole thing, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's a display model that's all taking up this big six by four table yeah. that I'm standing at six feet away of looking at, yeah. instead of one little figure that I'm standing six inches away of looking at. Mm-hmm. 
And so to me, what makes or breaks an army being cool is that six feet of way doesn't grab my attention. So the first question that I ask myself when I am going to paint an army is what's going to pop? What's going to make me look a second time at six feet away? What is that thing? Identify what that is or what you would like that to be and use that as your main North Star to go by. Okay. So all the little details of the, oh, it's going to have this funky little helmet or, you know, it's going to do this interesting thing on the silver of the weapons or blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's not going to make or break your army. It's going to make or break your army for most of the time is your main color or your main two colors in conjunction working together Mm -hmm. and how that you can push that to the style or aesthetic you're looking for um, in the greatest way possible. Again, with the Space Marines, it's the how do I get the most out of that primary color of the Space Marine Mm -hmm. to really pop and make it look different than everybody else's Ultramarine Army at six feet. And maybe... You, it, there's there's a correct answer in this that says I want it to be a cool version of the box art and that's still good because you still have made a decision and you still said I just want them to really feel like ultramarines on the box that's that's still answering that question yeah um, and then it's my decision making of how I approach this is based off of that decision because that decision is the most important decision you're going to make in the entire process, whether it takes you 10 hours to paint this army or 10 years. 10 hours. At the end of the day, it's still a Jenga tower. And that <laughs> Jenga tower needs to look awesome from six feet. And that main color or color, two color combination is, is what's going to make that pop. And so you going through the yellow decision on what's the most interesting shadow color or under color or build up to make this yellow look like what in my head I want it to look like. That's what's going to make the army cool. Yeah. Or like hue. Cause like there are so many different hues of yellow. Yeah. Like right. You add white, you add black to that hue. Like it just changes it so it much. Changes it drastically. And yellow is a prime example of there's a giant spectrum. Yeah. Of go. that color. Yeah. And then when I say this affects all your other decisions, it does so um, in a really important way. So for you, you want to accentuate that yellow. And even if like, it's not the banana, not the banana elves, right? There's not just going to be like pure yellow. No. But how do you really go about making further decisions that really boost you at that six foot? And one, one way that I like to do that is building contrast and light and dark. So you have a nice, vibrant, interesting color that's not often seen on the table. And you can accent, accentuate that by having those bright parts next to dark parts where it's really, really dark brown or even black or a really, really dark purple or something. So it almost like outlines with the the different parts that aren't that yellow. And then it makes that yellow pop even more because there's contrast that's easily seeable at six feet away. Yeah. This is an area that I'm right now, I'm struggling with my army and I don't know how it's going to turn out. Having light and dark parts next to each other intentionally? Well, just my primary color of Night Lords is very dark. It's very dark. It's very dark. And then how I wanted to build up the color. And I did did build it up to Fenrisian gray, which is a really bright grayish blue. But it's naturally a desaturated dark blue color. And so I'm kind of freaking out. Once I, I got all of that base coats with all the highlights done... I was kind of freaking out because I'm like, this is not going to stand out. Luckily, 
Um, I kind of stumbled into this by, you know, taking Vinci V's advice on the coolest gold to use, which is that, um, which we're going to talk about in the after party of this uh, Green Stuff World pigment powder metallics. And that is such a vibrant gold. And that it like outlines all the dark with this, all this really dramatic Kakutraman bullshit that all the chaos people have. <laughs> and I'm hoping that that still turns through in the final final um version of the army but oh yeah um sometimes After your washing. army is dark oh, okay right. yeah. and and so you're on one side of the spectrum is you have a really bright interesting color yeah what do you do in a darker based army to still make me go what and and that's i mean sometimes that's the key is like really dark things um can look more dramatic when you have these accent parts that are like, Jesus, that's a bright, vibrant green that's like fluorescent that's just shining from their eyes or whatever. Yeah. And you create this atmosphere that still draws you because it's so bright. Yeah, because like the it. volume of darkness to the lightness is so drastic that it makes this the small light thing, even if it isn't that bright, like way brighter because it's relative to what's yep. going on. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I think John kind of touched on this before, but it's worth bringing it up. And I find it's true mostly for metallics. When you're painting metallics, like seriously, like a base coat and a wash is enough. Like mm -hmm. you don't need to do anything more because uh, metallics, especially the Vallejo metal colors are so shiny and pretty that after you get a little bit of like separation of detail in there from like a pin wash, from whatever you want to use, um, that is, it's done in my books. It's done. And like John mentioned earlier, for like, you know, if you're painting the stabs, like when I paint the lances for my my blood knights, I paste coat them and it's done. I don't do anything. That's such an awkward thing to highlight. Yeah. If you really wanted to highlight it, so just base coat those small things and just call it done. Like uh, the pants for my army is a contrast wash, and then the briefest highlight with Rackarth flesh on like the upper areas, and then it's done. I'm not doing I'm not doing anything too ridiculous. I'm not like repainting the whole thing and leaving the recesses dark. Like I I am You need to do so much less work than you think you do. Yeah. This is a callback to a season one of Trapped Under Plastic. Quit painting the boots, man. Yeah. Quit painting the boots. Definitely. Where where are the boots on your model? The metaphorical boots. Metaphorical boots and physical boots. <laughs> like where where are you wasting time unnecessarily? Um I get that do with mine right now too and i like i had all these plans of like colors for for pouches and for holsters mm -hmm. and for whatever and honestly i'm to the point where I've, I've got a lot of things done except for those and i'm just like why do i need to paint those <laughs> you know why do i need to paint those if at, at the most what i'm going to do is i'm going to take a generic kind of mid-tone i'm going to do a really quick like edge highlight over a couple of things just like yeah exactly it yeah. shows that it exists yes yes i don't want your eyes there anyway right you know i i actually went when i was like halfway through the gold on my army so the gold trim on, on chaos dudes it like it goes fully around an entire thing yeah. so it goes all the way around the thigh up to the underside and whatever it's a full circle and it's on every surface whatever i was about halfway through all the troop dudes i'm like why am i painting all of it i don't just pay like the 75 percent that you can see unless you're the holding the model upside down like this by the way he's also on a base when you're doing that so you probably can't see most of it anyway this also helps because it allows you, as long as you have a black or really, you know, a darker uh, undercoat or base coat, 
that it it creates more volume to your miniature because where the light naturally wouldn't hit those things, it's just kind of ceasing to exist. Mm -hmm. So you're pushing up like this natural uh, volume of light, or this is an excuse I tell myself to make me paint less parts of the model (laughs) um, to accomplish things that it's like, was there value in that? Was there, was there actually anything I, is this hour doing this step on the next 10 models worth it? Or would that hour be spent somewhere uh, more valuable um, doing more little edge highlights on the head and shoulders. Like that's going to look, make your army look way cooler than getting all up in the fucking crotchal regions <laughs> of all your space Marines. <laughs> Dude, they got little like Bojangle trims that look like underwears. So have you been doing that? Have you been like not painting? Yeah. Three, like one fourth the trim. Yes. I did that f- after I did about 10 chaos Marines. How does that make you feel? I, I can't see it. yeah okay so if i can't see it what does it matter and actually when i went through and i've been doing future steps i realized i've missed like whole wrist trims on guys and stuff like that and honestly because there's so much gold there i will never know i'm not gonna go back out and really redo it this is like sacrilegious to me yeah yeah you look at my army you go ahead and try to find it okay you'll find it but it's gonna take you 10 minutes it's like a where's waldo right find the unpainted wrist trim yeah (laughs) And you, when you find it, you see that I did a little freehand of a middle finger right on that black <laughs> wrist strip. <laughs> like, you found it! S-M-A-D! <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it's definitely where I learned to paint. But yeah, like in a GW shop. I don't know if I could ever do that. Maybe I could. I mean, I kind of am doing that by not like painting this in the most inefficient way possible like I would just naturally do. It doesn't matter. All right. Um, I mean, it's like I, there's nothing wrong with that paint. There is nothing wrong learn, with that. Learn to paint approach. It's like learning a second language, and I mean, it's kind of learning vo- learning vocabulary first. We're not worrying about sentence structure and uh, possession possession of pronouns and all that kind of stuff that's unique to any individual language. We're trying to figure out the words first. Yeah. Once you figure out the words, then we can add more uh, stuff on top of it. The problem is, is that when you think that learning all the words and then just taking those words and putting them in the order that my native language would put them in means that it's a correct sentence. And how this translates is it means that if I go by the way that games workshop has always taught me how to paint and then just continue to apply that to any situation makes it correct. It's not correct or incorrect necessarily, but that doesn't mean that that needs to be replicated all the time. Say, well, I know what, uh, you know, Puedo ir al baño. Where's the bathroom? But if I know the words of where is the bathroom in Spanish, I put them in the, that order that I know in English, and it's not a right Spanish sentence. So don't think when you learn the basics that that means you need a one-to-one translation to just replicate that in all situations and it makes it correct. The basics are good to get you moving and then be like, those aren't, those are basics. Those aren't rules. I don't, who says I have to paint every little square inch of this trim to make my army look cool? Nobody. British people. Yeah. Well, they want that clean look. Well, do they think it's clean when they're looking at an armies on parade? <laughs> so I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. I don't know how down and dirty they get. Um, I'm pretty dirty. Yeah. Did you just say I'm pretty dirty? (laughs) No. Uh, Another point of efficiency is if your painting is broken up into days, think about where you want to end on a day 
that is most beneficial. So while you do not need a varnish in between painting with acrylics and doing an oil wash, what I will say is if one of your steps involves using an ink and 10 minutes after the ink dries, you put on an oil wash and five minutes later, you start wiping it away with a sponge of mineral spirits, you will lose your yellow color. And it's not because of the white spirits. It's because of the abrasion from the sponge and the fact that ink is a little bitch right after you paint with it. So a smart thing for me to do would be to end a day on finishing the yellow ink. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Even at a base level, if you're like, all right, I got eight hours today. I'm going to start my army. I'm going to start racking it out on this Saturday. Yeah. Your army's all built. Okay. Boom. It's 8 a.m. in the morning. Prime everything black. Then I go through and do a strong zenithal with white ink. And then I start painting. Not a good idea. Yeah. End on the zenithal ink. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And so the, the, ink, it's the ink is the issue here. Yes. Not like I no, see it. It is it, and it, it isn't. It's weaker, but like a normal acrylic paint would still also have that same problem. Yeah, if you went over with like, well, if you did like with a with a rattle can and you waited an hour, you're you're probably fine. Yeah, but inks take longer to fully cure, and like you see this most often. I mean, you mentioned stuff like mineral spirits, but try zenithal priming with white ink or any ink, <laughs> and then going through with contrast paint. Right and you after hit it with any kind of wash. Yeah, yeah, and it just destroys. It turns it. into it looks a like milky mud. mess. Yeah, it's mud. So yep, that's a really good point. Um, it also allows you to check a box at the end of your painting session that will give you momentum for the next painting session because yeah. you feel like you've accomplished something. Um, I I make. This week, I've made a point of doing that every time. I'm ending my two hours. Sometimes I end up going one hour and 50 minutes. Sometimes I've gone two hours and 15 minutes. But I just made sure that I finished a step to finish my night. And then I feel accomplished, rejuvenated, ready to go for the next day because I don't have to, oh, I got to keep going back to this stuff. Except for when I did the gold trim. That took me two full days to do gold trim. And I, but I you saw the message. Four that hours? I, yes, it took me four hours. To do, For an entire army. To do an entire army of the gold trim. That's very impressive. It, I told you I have a headache and I'm physically exhausted afterwards. Did you see the picture of the stupid Heldrake? All the yeah, gold yeah, on yeah, that yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah. That's like a spider web. Of Those gold things trim. was. Oh, speaking of not painting the uh, parts you don't see. Oh, you didn't paint the underside. I didn't did paint the underside. You little any of cheater. That, any of that gold trim on that Heldrake. I had to make it. I had to make an executive decision. You're like, do I want to keep? Am I doing this? Am I going to finish this? And do I want to keep my sanity? Yeah. Here's a question for you: If you would have painted all the gold trim, how many hours extra would it have been? Two more hours? Another another sesh? Yes. One another more? two okay, at least. Because of look, so four hours of gold trim. Which first of all, I mean, I'm pretty happy with myself that I got that done in four hours. Because ah, after yeah. I was like five models in, I'm like. Fuck. I'm fucked. Yeah. <laughs> um, like this is over. But it's really weird. In the bigger your army is, and the more you have samey same in your army, <laughs> you can build up speed if you allow yourself to do so. I, after a couple models in of each unit, I knew where everything was because I was paying close attention to its like wrist, shoulder trim, waist, thigh trim, other side. Doop, boop, boop. Backpack, backpack. Like, 
I, I worked my way around in a circle knowing where each section was. And so I could just get quicker and quicker and I built up speed. Then when I started the Terminators, I, did, I slowed way down again to figure out where all the trim is so I didn't miss it. And then as I was going through unit, I sped up and I sped up and I sped up. It was at least another two hours. It was probably an hour. It, it took me to do the three uh, vehicles, two Heldrakes, and then my kit bash thing, which was a whole nother freaking issue because it was all gobbledygook and I didn't know where to look for shit. Um, those probably took two hours, just those three models. Oh my gosh. And, and an hour and 40 of that was the two Heldrakes. So it's probably another two hours just to finish the Heldrakes. Okay. But the way they're flying in they're off on this flight stand, straight on, side, side, and above. You can't tell. If you pick the thing up and you go like this, you could say, yeah, it's not all painted. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Look at that. One decision you made saved two hours. Mm-hmm. And in a challenge where you're trying to paint it in evenings in a week, mm-hmm. that's fucking money right there. Yeah. Money. Right. And again, it's going back to my initial decision. What's going to make this look the best at six feet as a full army? Yeah. And that's not going to make it look the best. Right. That that two hours instead the next day working on knocking out four different sections of individual colors on the entire army so I get a little bit more depth and it doesn't look half painted. Yeah. That's a better use of time. Okay. Ow. I just clamped my fingers with this thing. <laughs> Another piece of advice is just to just to watch the podcast episode about how to make your models pop. Yeah. Cause like that, like a lot of that in there is about expedient steps that you can take that make your models look more impressive with minimal time invested like obviously adding blood and mud and dry pigments and things like that like that that those things are really nice um, mm-hmm. when painting armies in conjunction with that i think there's things two things that are re- related that you can do to give yourself a nice head start and build yourself some confidence um, first of all lean on any models you've painted before and go back and look at them and say, what part about this do I think I really like? Or what part really makes this paint job work? Mm-hmm. And then go out and do some Google searching on well-painted armies for whatever game you play. Or it could be other games. It doesn't have to. And look at the whole army together and say, what makes this paint job so good? What about it is catching my eye? What, what about it makes me say, wow? And use that knowledge and do not necessarily copy it, but to take the general information of it's because they have so much interest in color and vibrancy up here on the head and shoulders. And because that bright orange and that nasty dark blue just contrast each other so well to really make them look interesting. Um, Take that and then use that um, as your guiding principle or use that as to help you make that initial decision. Uh, Because oftentimes we're looking at the one Jenga block, the decisions that we make on the micro don't translate super well to the macro, Mm -hmm. you know, and that is, you know, going back to painting all the pouches and all that stuff. Fucking pouches, man. Looking pouches, bro. Oh, um, so I, so you, you'd have a time saving thing you've done is not painting parts that aren't visible. Um, a time saving part that I've done, which is in a similar vein is to literally snip parts off of models that are just, it's just egregious. Yeah. So uh, the Incubi 
have so many fucking bedazzling jangle things. And I'm like, fuck this shit. And I just <laughs> clip it all off. I was like, this is so like the Clavex, uh, which is the leader. Like has this strand of fucking gems hanging between his crotch. I'm like, nope. I'm like, I am not painting that. Um, so I think in in a fell swoop, I am making the models easier to paint. And in my opinion, they look better because yeah. there's just less shit all over them. Um, so consider doing that. I know that that is, that is definitely a little bit sacrilegious. Um, but I think really, uh, GW is getting to the point where like they are putting too much stuff on their models. They're already there. Um, I think we're gonna see a point where they kind of actually kind of bounce back from that a little bit where they kind of like we're like okay we've realized now that we can make the tiniest highly detailed shit and like we just want to use it everywhere we want to use it everywhere and it's like oh wait okay maybe it's too much so i think we're maybe we're getting to the point where it's like oh, okay maybe this is too much yeah, we've we've left the age of sigmar and we've entered the age of guild ball oh yeah <laughs> right with belts and crap and knives and stuff yeah i'd say in a lot of ways games workshop has surpassed guild ball and in, in oh, details f- oh for sure because like guild ball is like all the same repeated detail right yes but gw is just like yeah because what they grenade. did is they they Guild Ball did is they took a leg or they took an arm <laughs> and they just took a little green stuff ribbon and they wrapped it and shit and put buckles on all yeah, of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which Games Workshop also does, but they also, they're like, we have the technology to have dangly crotch shit. Yeah. And they're like, well, we're going to put that everywhere. It's like, yeah. this is an extra, it's a whole extra piece. It's not just the surface of the thing I'm painting having more details. It's extra details you've thrown on top of things. Yeah. Um, that's it. Um, I've got, I've got one more. Okay. Do you have? I'm any done. More? I'm tapped. Okay. This is good. This will be a good. Uh, I feel like it's some pretty solid outro. Advice. Um, I think the one thing you need to keep in mind, and let this be your motivation through, because I promise you, if you've not accomplished this before, or if you have accomplished this before, remind yourself of this, of how cool it's gonna be when it's all done. And I will tell you what. I've only painted one full army in my day. When I painted that and I looked at them all on the table and I was second guessing or I wasn't sure, I wasn't, I didn't necessarily love, you know, as I was going through it, how they turned out. And then I put them all on the table. I remember I played my first game with them and I'm like, I feel so freaking good. <laughs> Look at this whole army. It's all done. Look at them all together. I feel so accomplished. And it's hard to see the forest through the trees when you're in the midst of it. But I promise you, it will all be worth it. Even if you're like, oh, I'm not a great painter or whatever. I tell you what, when it's all there and it's all together, like it feels so freaking good. I've I've rarely, if ever, in my time painting miniatures have felt happier about my painting work than when I finished an army. That's so crazy to me. Yeah. Okay. Like it's 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 at a different level. Like it's not just the amount of stuff, but that is part of it. Yeah. But it's just seeing this whole thing come together. When, when you're doing a single modeling for competition or whatever, like it's easier to see it coming together because you're just you're always holding it. It's always doing the thing. But there's something like all these different parts are always working together side by side. And then when that army gets done, like it's just like you you blink your eyes and then they're all done and it's all together and it's all one final thing and it it really is the tower of jenga blocks and at the individual <laughs> oh my God. block that makes it cool um <sighs> i really i whether it's an army for a war game whether it's your in, entire um 
D&D characters plus like the main villain and his henchmen or, you know, whatever else that, that you're into the miniature hobby for. It could be painting a whole board game. Whatever it is, if you ever complete that big project, that's something that um, you're going to be really happy and, and feel very accomplished to do. So maybe that's part of the motivation for us having this be the topic today in the first place because I want every goody peepee to have that feeling at least once in their life, to feel like this is a major project. This is a big thing, and I can put it all together, and it feels so good. So good. So good. Um, excellent. Good advice. Claps all around. We clap ourselves on the back. I know. Clapped. I feel like we this is the most adult podcast episode. Like we've been like we've been good upstanding citizens. We made a lot of sexual jokes earlier. Oh, well. We you, have, oh, you mean like a mature? Yeah. We're being mature right now? Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, look at us. Like we're like this is real advice. Like, because normally we don't give real advice. That's what John's saying right now. Right, 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 right. I mean, it's all speculation. E- we're equally unqualified to give it as today as we are in any other day. Right. Oh, I just want to reemphasize. This is not a normal way to paint an army. <laughs> if, I don't think it is. If you don't want to paint an army like this and you want to kind of just float through it unit at a time, please do that. That sounds way more enjoyable, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a plenty of the things that we talked about today that that will translate regardless. And I think that's one of the things we talked about earlier was like I, I said, really um, vocalize what it is you want to do and how you want to do it, and let that be your guide before you start, you know, making any decisions. Because some of these are decisions you make through along the way based on that. Yeah. Um, I, I I mean I'm still a strong proponent for setting yourself deadlines and timelines and that kind of stuff even if you're like I'm just here to cool my way through this and to just enjoy painting every single one and and getting the most out of it and if that makes you really happy and that fuels you to paint an hour every night you don't need any restrictions because you have the motivation and you know the the self-control to do that but that's not most of us if we don't give ourselves some kind of time like it's the reason there's always deadlines at work mm-hmm. you know there's a reason that any part of your life it's like look i have to have my taxes in by this day i have to pay my garbage bill by this day like that's it's set up that way because humans aren't reliable to do it on their own given their own devices it's just the way we are so if you do it in a healthy way that you aren't punishing yourself for not doing it, but just saying, I really am going to enjoy painting these Space Marines, but I'm going to have them done by the end of July. Cool. Then now you're going to hold yourself to that. Very nice. <laughs> Out of the news. What? Do you have the news? news? I don't think I didn't put down much for news. I got one. You, okay. All right. Let's see this. Let's see this. Um, There is, this appeared on my Facebook feed. It's not like, it didn't happen recently, but it's cool. I want to talk about it. Um, there is a one to two hundred and fifty scale model of ancient Rome that took thirty five years to make, and is on museum in Italy. And it was uh, it was commissioned in nineteen thirty three. In the oh, early nineties, saw this. Yeah, and it was finished later. Uh, Did you say nineteen thirty three? The early nineties. <laughs> Hey, you did. Is that a problem? Is it? T- what is it? 
the early 90s? Oh, 1900s. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the early 90s. Oh, my God. Um, the model was continued to work on until 1971. Um, but the guy who worked on it worked on it over the course of his entire life. And it is fucking insane. It is massive. Yeah. Um, like, there's the, the, there's the thumbnail pic for the article. Um, How close was everything together? When I saw the picture, I'm like, Jesus, I just didn't picture. Everything was just like, I guess you don't have modes of mass transportation or whatever too like you've got to squish it all together because people got to walk to go anywhere yeah so to put this in perspective the scale of fantasy like the sorry the games we play um is 32 mil or 28 mil those are the two numbers people use often and that in a ratio it's like one to 32 or like one to 64 it's like one of those ones it's not one to 250. So this is like three to four times smaller than our scale. Um, yeah, I think like the Coliseum is the size of this Razorwing jet fight. Or what is this? Venom? Uh, it's Venom. Venom. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, that might be pretty accurate. It's like a three inch circle. Yes. Is the Coliseum. Um, and it's just so cool. It's so cool. I love seeing. Holy fuck. There's a picture of the whole thing. It's so oh, teeny weeny. Yeah. Um, There's a big wall there. Is that to keep away the Huns? I don't know. It was used as uh, to sh- basically to show what ancient Rome was look what, what it looked like and how it was organized. It was like a little history lesson in a scale mm-hmm. model. Um, it's really cool. It's really cool to see elements of our hobby exist elsewhere, um, and that's kind of what it reminded me of. Yeah. It's this is pretty freaking phenomenal. Yeah. Let's see, like any like they're all they're like these big fancy villas that when i'm looking at like the housing of it it's like these big fancy villas and like no regular housing anywhere <laughs> so it must be oh that must be the emperor's palace it's all there. rich people dude it illustrates like, a point too. in that time uh a, a large portion of the population didn't live in the city and they, they were inside the the, the gated uh, w- the walls mm. you know um so they were fucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mesopotamian showing up. <laughs> You're all dead. Yeah. Well, they burned all the farms and the farmers. We should rouse the Roman warriors. <laughs> we should tax the people more. Yep, that too. Um, it help, illustra- help. It illustrates a point about that you were mentioning earlier about the scale of an entire project and like how detail-oriented you need to be. I bet if you look at any one of these individual buildings, it looks like doo doo butter. They probably look pretty bad, right? Like compared to our standards, miniature painters have like a really high standard for what a model should be painted by. Like, mm-hmm. like, because like, uh, even if I talk to a, a person who like is a terrain painter, and I talk talking about like painting the model, they're like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. This is like, what, what, what did you do to the model? It's like I paint it with silver and hit it with a homemade black acrylic wash. <laughs> it's like that's good enough. Yeah. And so it's like, but the reason that I can show you this thumbnail picture of this thing is because it's so fucking massive. You're right. Just like with an army. Right. It's and so big. It doesn't need to be amazing down to the, the single model. It, and when you look at it, like where's the most time and focus spent on that giant thing? I have, you no, look at I the, have no idea. You look at the palace and you look at the Coliseum. They have the most detail. They have the, the most interest in like slight variations of color while still looking part of the whole thing. Like you understand where the eye is drawn to and you focus more of your time there. Fuck us. I just, let us fuck us on, (laughs) 
I just when you said that about the terrain painters, I just I just picture Luke from Luke's HPS taking a bottle of apple barrel paint and just going like <laughs> and adding water to it and it's just wash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you like when those guys that do that and they're doing like rock faces and stuff, I'm like, God damn, that's like looks good. Yeah, we're not trying to be like holier than thou at all. No, it's I mean, like understanding of of realism and what works to make something feel like it lives in a world that we can walk outside and see. Part of it is we overanalyze everything because we're dealing with things that aren't existing in the real world. Yeah. Like, I can't reference the, you know, a dude that looks like one of these weird space elves <laughs> to give myself some frame of reference. I have to go over the top because it's it's space dudes. Space dudes! Yeah, it's a, it sounds like a great, like, Saturday morning cartoon. Space name. dudes? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Going this Saturday after Care Bears is Space Dudes. <laughs> That's our kid show. Yeah. <laughs> boo, boo, boo. That's the sound of the lasers in Space Dudes. <laughs> uh, your other little news article is Warmer Plus is doing painting videos. And I, okay, I haven't read a, a single thing about Warmer Plus, but Trent started talking to me about this from Miss Cass, and he was like, Did you see that they're like, like, they're, they're making like YouTubers? They're coming for us. On, I know they are. Oh, not Kate. Maybe not intentionally, but on Warmer Plus. So it's like, it's like okay. Like he, he made the interesting thing. He's like, he's like, what's the Miniac version of Warmer Plus going to look like? Like the person or like, and just in general, the person who is making a painting video where maybe the video isn't solely about the painting, but also maybe a little bit entertaining. I don't know why he got that implication because I haven't watched or read anything about this. They're not but entertaining. What? I mean, I I watched the announcement and it's like it's the Warhammer community videos. Warhammer TV. Yeah, War. You know the ones that whatever Warhammer. Yeah, the, their the YouTube, YouTube page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that Duncan did now, Peachy and and crew do. Peachy. It's that, but it's trying to make them look better. Oh, it's like a higher quality yes. one. Yes, oh, it's all it is. Is it's higher quality. Is like the paint job better? It's Orky Dork. She's the one that's doing it. Orky Dork on Instagram. The fuck is Orky Dork? She's uh, a uh, a employee of Games Workshop. And she's a very good painter. Did she paint like super saturated? Yep. Okay, I totally follow her on Instagram. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And wow. And so she's she's the one that's doing all of them for. That's fucking cool. Okay. Cool. So it she described it. So they had her on. I, I watched the announcement when I was. I can't remember what I was doing. I was like shooting footage for something, whatever. So I had it on. and I listened. And that perked my interest because I did not see a painting thing coming in Warhammer Plus. I guess I, my vision of what Warhammer Plus was was just where they put all their like TV show shit. Yeah, but that saying that out loud is like not sustainable, right? Right. Yeah, they had to have more content. A lot of it is like freaking shovelware, but that's just my opinion. What does shovelware mean? Shovelware is stuff that they spit on there that makes it feel like it's valuable but it's just garbage oh it's like all the really shitty disney plus movies yes like blank check you want to get fucked up watch blank check oh man isn't that jonathan taylor thomas i have no idea who uh, that is. no no it's maybe it's not i remember that movie from the 90s it's freaking that movie is movie. so weird oh no no honestly that one isn't that bad watch brink that one is hilarious there are so many okay watch dad napped <laughs> 
I'm watching Nap. That yeah. sounds like a fucking slasher movie. No, dude. <laughs> it's kidnapped, but with dads. Um, they kidnap the dads. Uh, yeah, the dads get kidnapped. That's why, that's why it's called dad nap. Fucking pussy dads getting kidnapped. I know. Like even just telling you the title, you're like, what went wrong here? Like who made these choices? Um, did the kids? Kid- okay, I gotta quit asking questions about dad nap. <laughs> if you want some time to waste, go on Disney Plus and just pick the most ridiculous sounding. Uh, like title and thumbnail to the movie that doesn't surprise me though because if you ever watch the disney channel it's 80 percent pure garbage yeah and so that's kind of like warmer plus is doing like they're just yeah, filling yeah. it out yes yeah they fill out <laughs> the thing makes it look like you get a bunch of stuff oh, i feel, then so, you get I feel free, so bad you get a free model if you subscribe for a year oh yeah that seems a little tricksy i don't care they can do whatever they want it's their yeah, business whatever. i mean there's so much there's not so a, many it's not a bad business move to get yeah. a, a giant influx of people signed up up front. Yeah. Also, like, there are so many GW models. I know. It is fucking endless, dude. So, yeah. like, okay, I don't care if I miss one. You're never going to run out. It's not like you couldn't get it for, like, 100 bucks or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, if you, were in, if you really needed it, yeah. 100 bucks? No way, bro. Like, I don't 50. know what they'll go for. 50. You only get one for each person. You're like, you're giving them yours. Uh-huh, okay, anyway. <laughs> someone sent me a message yesterday did they and they're like uh i got my tinfoil hat theory and i'm like okay let me hear it they're like this is about games workshop seeing the success of darren latham's youtube channel making him stop it and then redoing it and making you pay for it for an exact copy paste of what he was doing for free on youtube also is darren doing videos for this thing no okay as far as i know no but i'm i'm like oh that's a pretty good tinfoil hat theory i i would bet dollars to donuts what their actual videos look like will look very similar to what darren did on his channel Okay, so all love to Darren, but his videos were not higher quality than Warner TVs because it was just him by himself. No, no, no. With but I think I, I and it's not a. I wasn't saying like the the you know necessarily the quality. It was the the, the process, the content itself. Ah, okay. Because what he did, the multi-parters, yes, the deep what, dives, and what he did was what the way they described it themselves on Warhammer TV about what the painting version of, of that is. It was described. It sounded exactly like what Darren did. Yeah. Okay. Which okay. Darren's an amazing painter and he took you through his process. Yeah. That's awesome. We loved it. It makes sense that they would do that. I, the tinfoil hat is like, did they make him stop it? And then like wrote it in a notebook. It's like, hey, we're going <laughs> to they're like rubbing their fucking zinchi hands together. <laughs> I would say it's not just that it's all kinds of things. Sure, I, I 100% agree, but I yeah. think there's probably a, a sliver of truth in there. Of, oh, for sure, yeah. Well, look at uh, look at what happens. It's like look at the kind of talent we have here and the kind of success they can have by themselves. If we gave them cash and owned it, could we make money? Absolutely, we could. Um, so yeah. What do you mean get make? make cash they're already on the payroll you think they're gonna pay them more money to do this stuff no That's- gave them cash aka let them use our stuff our, right. vi- our, our our video cameras our crew you know sure sure yeah yeah so i i thought that was an interesting a bit of news uh i maybe this is a silly question to ask you but are you gonna sign up for warhammer plus oh uh, no my th- i might uh, yeah definitely not my thought was I had no intention. I had like zero intention of signing for Warhammer Plus. And then I, 
with the parts that I didn't fall asleep through of that announcement. <laughs> um, I I have a a twinge in me that wants to do it to actually just experience what their videos are like. Like I want to do it sure. for a month or two, just yeah. to be like for my my own research. Yeah. R and D. Yeah. So um, I, I have a hard time watching videos that are exclusively education miniature painting videos. I have been a patron of Christoph I think his name is Kobolchuk. It's I know it's Christoph for Oh is he in Frozen? Frozen? Oh okay. Disney movie? Are you making a It's on Disney now? Plus. Is it? Yeah. Are you tooting right now? A couple times. You a little tutor? Uh Toots Magoots. I've been his patron for, I don't know, eight months. I haven't watched a single fucking video. So I just feel like that kind of stuff is just like I can't find time to watch it. Um, so I don't know. Why. But yeah, I think it's a good idea to watch it just to see what they're doing. Yeah. Also, I want to watch fucking if they do more Space Marine animated shorts, I'd watch that. I like that a lot. Well, that's I mean, cause like, that's what they led with. That was like the hype leading up to this was this yeah. what's going to be. And then they I, I mean, I, I don't have all the details in front of me, but I remember being very shocked at how little of that is actually coming out. Okay, I'll pay There's for There's going to be like, I'm wrong in this. We'll share a login. How about that? We'll pay for it. Yeah, 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 okay. okay. <laughs> There's still like four. There's like going to be like four episodes a year. Oh, okay. So and, they're, up, and they ask how long the they are, and they're like roughly 15 to 18 minutes. That's kind of long. Okay, okay. I'm thinking about this as if it's still one guy doing it. Sure. It is no longer one guy doing it? I'm just through their own studio now. Okay. I guess. Maybe he's like an art director. And like right. he has a bunch of cronies doing animations for yeah, him. Yeah, this is all speculation. I don't know. And I yeah. don't care enough to look more. But yeah. I was shocked how little of Warhammer Plus like marketed as a a streaming service there yeah. was of actual it, it was just kind of like, oh, we're gonna have some stuff on battle report. And not even battle reports, they're gonna have stuff on like that actually might be kind of cool. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they could do all kinds of stuff. Like battle reports on on their models that they're painted for boxes and they're like actually, you know, well produced and everything. Fuck yeah. I didn't see that. I hope I'm wrong. But I didn't That'd see that. That'd be super cool, yeah. But like, like there's gonna be a ton of lore talk. Dude talking lore. Like that was one of their big things of like, oh well, some people like that. That's great. But. Yeah. Uh, he couldn't. That would be like Chinese water torture for me. <laughs> <laughs> like just fucking waterboard me already. Turn this shit off. Um, uh, and, and like talking through strategies and stuff, like the articles that they have on the Warhammer community now about like once yeah. a month on strategies. That's gonna be interesting. It's like seeing how they differentiate their free content and their paid for content. Yeah, where are they gonna? Or are they just gonna use this as a funnel system, whatever? I so at first I had this twinge of oh, they're coming for us, and then I heard other whispers of people like they're, oh, they're, they're coming for us, and then I kind of they're not sat and thought about it. like I mean they're not coming for us, but like when you talk about potential audience, potential people becoming patrons, people really associating with your hobby and stuff, and I'm like, we're not doing that. It's not comparable. Yeah. No, it's not the it, same thing. It's a free platform versus a pay platform. It's a totally different animal. Yeah. It's a totally different is, audience. Well, but also what the content is. Like the people that are, that have a Patreon, that they do PDFs and they do, uh, you know, a dry watch me paint it un uncut or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think it's closer to d coming at their doors. Yeah, for sure. Than it is the people that are like, look, that's, I want to teach you some things. I want I want this to have some um, informational and, and educational aspect to it. But I want you to have fun, and I want us to like go on a journey. I want to tell an interesting story. Like that's a that's a 
different animal. Yeah. So I mean, also like just the world of free content and like kind of getting people into your sales funnel and all that stuff. It's like a, it was like a totally different way of doing business than like having a reputation and then selling something based on that reputation, yeah. which is what GW is doing here. It's like as a YouTuber, you almost need to um, gain the trust of the audience member before they spend money on you, and you do that through them watching multiple of your videos then they're like okay i'll subscribe then a month later like, okay i'll buy a shirt and then like a month later like, okay i'll become, I'll become a patron you know it's like a it's this increasing in trust whereas with gw it's like they have a long lasting line of customers that already trust them that's that's a really let's good make point. money that's a good point oh my <laughs> gosh hope the mics didn't pick that up the mics are pretty good at rejecting sound so i doubt you heard that but john just shat his pants <laughs> oh made my heart hurt oh my gosh there's like a there's like a bubble in my bloodstream that made its way to my heart from that fart <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that's a fucking that's a that cuts like a knife too like i made a problem of looking at my a- analytics on my youtube channel lately it was like 65 percent of my views on my youtube channel are come from non-subscribers i know like, i'm like ouch you'd be surprised at it. how normal that is hurts my heart a little bit I'm you'll, like you'll see youtubers be like they'll show that analytic and be like i see that none of you are subscribed what the fuck and then like they'll ask for a subscriber as kind of a funny joke at that point um that i think that's pretty normal yeah especially when you're punching above your weight in terms of views uh if you get more views in general than than you than a normal channel with your subs might have and that all kind of depends on what normal means um but oftentimes it is from mostly non-subscribers non-subscribers yeah. it's a it's a battle it's a battle yeah all right welcome to the end of the podcast i almost made it to the end of the podcast for i had to pee but then i was gonna pee my pants so i went pee before we guys we did guys you, got here did guys, you poop guys, when guys, you got here and i didn't what happens um what, ha- what happens what happened um i didn't i didn't eat 10 bananas before i came over oh that was the thing you did yeah that's a that's a call back to the last episode i had the banana eating story oh okay i didn't do that i vaguely remember that uh, uh yeah uh my, my poop schedule's off apparently i don't know it's the coffee dude yeah it is <laughs> usually that that like keeps that gets things moving in the morning but yeah, when you know eat one meal a day right that's a good thing like a crazy person all right <laughs> now we're really at the end of the podcast for reals this time if you enjoy the podcast and want to support it there are a number of ways that you can do it um we have a patreon campaign where you get access to an extended episode of the podcast where we talk about things like our favorite miniatures from other painters in the last two weeks mm-hmm. um and it's not always paint jobs this week mine was a conversion um mm-hmm. and john's had conversions in the past too um we also talk about uh things that we've experimented with and failed or succeeded at uh, we also give feedback to one of our community members so as a five dollar patron you can also supply models for us to give feedback to and pick one an episode and you can also give us topics to discuss uh all the time uh, we look at that list and reference it for ideas and then credit the person when we get a topic from them. We check that every episode. Every episode, yeah. yeah. We had a couple good ones that we're probably going to use in the near future, too. Yeah. So thank you for all of you that submit those. It, it really does help us. 
even if we don't use it, sometimes it's we talk through them and it starts a conversation where we get to something else, which yeah. is great too. Absolutely. Uh, and other free ways to support the podcast um, are to just tell your nerd friends about our podcast. Share it around on Facebook. You know, tell your friends in the schoolyard when you're you know out in recess because you're all like eight, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Tell your nerd friends. Give us reviews on uh, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to the podcast. Watch the video on YouTube without an ad blocker uh, is a great way to support the channel. Um, and lastly, you can buy our merch, which none of us are wearing right now. But we have a sick hoodie and a sweater and a t-shirt. t-shirt. Two different designs. Both really awesome artists who made those designs. We, we really need cool. to do it. We need to do a, a hat sometime too. Oh yeah, like a like a like a toque or like a snapback or Both. a dad hat. Both. What's a dad hat? A dad hat is. So you know how a snapback has like a really kind of like deep bucket. Yeah. A dad hat has a very shallow one, and the bill is bent. Okay, and it has a strap in the back. It's not. A, it's not. It's no snaps. It's like a, more of a strap that you kind of like Velcro? pull and tighten. No, not Velcro. Oh, with the loop with a little buckle. Um, oh, that's like Smalls from uh, the Sandlot. Okay. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Um, yeah, that's a dad hat. <laughs> that was. It was kind of in for a bit. I think it's kind of on that on the way out. Okay. I'm a fashion. Let's bring icon. it back. I'm a fashion icon, so. I know these things. Uh, yeah, you are. When I see, you, I mean, I, I mean, look at this fucking shirt. For all the audio listeners, I'm wearing the Three Wolf One Moon shirt. And if you don't know that by name, you're not worth my time. Oof. Yeah, when I when I think of you, my brain immediately goes to David from Shit's Creek. You are both. <laughs> you are both fashionistas. I'm not sure if that's a compliment or a good thing. Um, I'll take it though. Yeah, just take it. <laughs> just take it. <laughs> all right. We'll catch you on the flippity. <laughs>